1: Coming
2: to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep, with your host, Joel Conan. this is a volatile puppy here, isn't it,
3: and Dennis Dick, I've bitten a penny, I will buy the stock for a penny,
2: with everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody, welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep, Spencer Israel, Joel O'Connor, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. So we have a big rally on Monday. The obvious question now is what does that mean going forward? Was that the bottom? Is there more volatility ahead? We will do some scenario analysis today and try to get a feel for where these markets could be headed potentially um, going forward here. As far as individual news, we have uh, Beyond Meat is volatile this morning. The CEO was on Mad Money last night. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Buffett buying more uh, Delta Airlines, we have a couple of earnings I want to get to in the retail uh, side of things, uh, Target and Kohl's this morning. And we have two guests on our docket today. The first up is Ryan Dietrich from LPL Financial. He would join us at 8 35. And Dave Mazza, he's the managing director and head of product at Direction Investments, the leverage ETFs. He would join us at 9. So Ryan at eight thirty-five, Dave at 9. Let's get to Joel here. Joel, what's happening overnight?
4: Uh, Good morning, Spencer. Welcome, listeners. Uh, S&P futures down five points here at uh, 30 30 or 3,060, getting hard with those handles. Great level for you on the upside, folks. Uh, Yesterday's high came in at 93.50. They nudged it to 3,100 overnight. And above that, our 50% retracement. So we know where we need to go this morning to get to that 50% retracement. Uh, Bonds down a stick. uh, Crude up 95 cents at 47.70. Trying to get back that old old support, new resistance at 49.50. Gold up eight bucks at 16.02.80. Silver in the green by 7.1 cents. And Bitcoin, just being Bitcoin, hanging under 9,000 down 130 at eight thousand eight hundred and forty-five. triple d are you with us yeah, your i'm here in
3: physically probably not as much in mindset here because the trading is crazy here right now so i'm gonna try to stick with you guys as long as i can i might have to hop off if it gets too crazy here it's been incredible trading the last 24 hours I've, I've really you know missed out on the boat last week with the trading because this was a taste of it and it was just awesome trading yesterday too. Um, we're down 30 handles here. Lots to think about big rally yesterday, some to the ridiculous level of Costco, which was this, one of the silliest rallies I think I've ever seen. Um, and we could talk about that in a minute too. Uh, vote of confidence coming from Warren Buffett because he bought more Delta Airlines yesterday. That's why the airlines are flying here this morning. Despite not participating in yesterday's rally, they are participating this morning. They're actually going the opposite direction, and that is thanks to Warren Buffett. I mean, big moves in everything. So we can really go anywhere here. Where do you want to start?
4: Uh, I mean, just general commentary. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do that? Or something? Yeah, I
3: think so. Um, I think we yeah. – Go ahead. Yeah, so thoughts are it was a nice rally yesterday. Uh, relief rally, call a dead cat bounce, call it what, whatever you want. I don't think we're going straight back up to the highs, and here's why. Um, it, this, this was almost a little bit predictable that we are going to get a rally because we knew the news flow coming out of cases out of the U.S. is going to be slow until they get the test going. Testing is going to start to get, ramp up towards the end of the week, week here. Scott Gottlieb you know, was on CNBC this morning and saying that they're going to eventually have capacity to test. I believe he said 20,000 a day or, or even more than that. Right now, they don't have any capacity to test really whatsoever. There was a doctor on the CNBC special last night from New York. He said in New York state, they've only tested, I believe he said 35 people. And that's just because the test kits all failed. They really were not prepared for this. And I can't understand why. I think the CDC really dropped the ball here. It, it's mind boggling to me that you see this going on in China for a month and a half, and then all of a sudden we're not prepared with test kits, and the test kits test kits fail. We can't test anybody. The doctor said he he's begging so he's one of the biggest hospitals in the USA, and he says he has to beg the CDC to test to to get a test to test somebody that he thinks has it. So he said he thinks there's thousands of cases. Scott Gottlieb has hinted that he thinks there's thousands of cases. I think there's thousands of cases in the U.S. They just simply haven't been tested. So with all that being said, does the market get spooked once we start seeing thousands of cases show up in the U.S.? I think a bit. Uh, But, you know, you were making some good points here on the pre-pre-market show, Joel. I mean, this isn't, you know, uh, this isn't a 20% killer. This isn't probably a 10% killer. We don't know where it's going to fall in. I, th- I tend to think it's going to fall in the range of somewhere between 2% and 3% when it's all said and done. I mean, that's the way the numbers have been coming out of China. I know they're higher in Iran, but the healthcare system's an issue there. So if you think about all of that and you think about, um, you know, you just think about the scenario of the U.S., I think we're probably better equipped to handle it than some of these other countries, uh, but I think do believe that containment is probably not going to happen here. I think this is something that is going to spread. I think this is something that is eventually just going to stay with us, potentially, like another bad flu bug. But maybe it is just a bad flu bug. And maybe the death rate's le- less. Maybe it's only 1% or even less than 1%. We can hope. But I think the time for containment, and Scott Gottlieb said it there, too, and from what I'm reading, is probably past us now. It's probably, basically, spreading in little, you know, pockets everywhere. So if you think about that, what does that mean for the markets, it all depends on how bad that fatality rate is. I mean, if this comes in at like, you know, just a little bit better than the war- more, normal flu, eventually the market could start to rally again. And maybe that's the hope yesterday. That's what Kramer was pinning it on, that he was hoping that was going to be significantly less than 1% the fatality rate when this is said and done. But I don't think we're going to just all of a sudden contain this thing and it's just going to be gone like SARS was. I think that time has
4: passed. I I I have to agree with you. I th- I think that uh you know for some of the research I've done for some of the people that I've talked to in the medical field um this could just this could just be a new normal, you know. Like we have the flu. We have the flu. There's many undetected cases of flu. This is something that you know could be around for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, a century, two centuries. We don't know. We, we don't it's know. an unknown. We don't know and at this point Talk about, uh, you know, containment, uh, you know, is a possibility. Sure, a vaccine's a possibility here. Um, the number of undetected cases, there could be many people walk around it that it just are having some very mild symptoms. Yes. So you, you don't know. So I think it, the best way to prepare for this is just accept it as a, the new normal and wait to see how it turns out, you know, if that means that, you know, you want to, you know, go and live in an igloo in Alaska, then go do it. I don't think that's necessary. I'm still living my life. I'm still traveling. I'm still going to Michigan basketball games. I'm doing things. But I just think you have to accept it, that it, it's, it's a new reality, and, and we're just going to have to deal with it.
3: And, and, it and, and somebody else bring up a point in chat, zippity doo I watched that last night, too, and he was saying, here's another issue, is that people are getting charged for this test, and the doctor on CNBC said last night that's up to $3,000 to get this test done if you don't have health insurance. I mean, this is that that's a ridiculous, you know, issue here. I mean, just how much the US is behind and Canada too. So we're talking Canada too. Because Canada isn't testing anybody really the, except people who have visited Wuhan and China as well. So you can couple those two together. But if you think about this, South Korea has a drive-through for the testing now going on. They're testing, you know, tens of thousands of people a day. And, you know, in the US, I don't even know if they've tested a thousand yet. I mean, it's a joke. I have no idea, you know, why and maybe these test kits are really expensive and it's a capitalist, you know, maybe the issue here for versus a socialist country or a communist country where, you know, they just come in and they just test people. I mean, you're charging somebody, somebody's sick with this and they think they got it and then you charge them 3000 bucks for the test. It's sickening. That's just, you know, there's got to be some type of, you know, government funding to come in and get these things tested because it's not just about that person. You know, it's going to be people that don't want to get this test because they don't want to pay for it. Well, that affects everyone else. So there's got to be some coverage here or something. You know, people that don't have coverage, there should be some type of program or something to get this test for free. Because if they're getting charged 3000 bucks, it's absolutely ridiculous.
4: You can't afford it. You can't
3: afford it. And then you're like, I'm not going in there. I don't want them to test me and then charge me 3000 bucks. I just got the normal flu. I'll tough it out. There's me people that aren't going to go to the doctors and they say, oh, death rate's only 9- 1% here. I'm going to tough it out because uh, I don't want to go pay for the test. I mean, so many issues here, and very, very disappointing, obviously, that, you know, it's come to money now, and, and, and the money is maybe the main issue why, you know, the U.S. is way behind on this, so, and, and Canada, coupled with that, too, and Canada, you wouldn't pay for the test because they do have, uh, we do have health care, um, which is obviously public health care, but at the same time, they're still way behind there, too, so very disappointing how North America has handled this. Um, I do believe there's going to be, you know, a tr- they're still going to try to contain it as much as they can. It would not surprise me if we, you know, see a delay even in the start of the baseball season. It wouldn't surprise me if we, you know, banned, you know, some of these, you know, uh, stadiums from having fans and they play the games without fans. I mean, they're already talking about that with March Madness that's on the table. So just to try to contain it. So you're going to see a lot of scary stuff here over the course of the next, you know, couple of months. And especially, I think, in the next few weeks. And it's a matter of how the market, you know, is spooked by that or not. Do we just shrug it off and say, okay, it's a bad flu, but eventually we're going to get over and most people are going to live and the market's going to go back to all-time highs? That's very possible. Or they could get spooked once we start seeing it. I don't think this is – I hope it's not an issue where the markets fall 40 to 50%. I was saying that yesterday, but as you think about it more, if that fatality rate is really only cooking around 1%, it's very unlikely. If the fatality rate is better than three or four percent, then, then that's a scary scenario. So we just got to hope the fatality rate when they start to actually figure it out. It's hard because all the numbers coming from China, you can't believe, and we haven't had a lot of data. We've got Italy, but it's still early there. It's still early in Iran. I know the Iran numbers are terrible, but with the fatality rate, but again, that's a healthcare system issue we won't know more until we start to, you know actually diagnose cases here and start seeing what the fatality rate looks like here.
4: Uh, similar to, you know, the flu and other diseases like this, if you're elderly and you're a smoker and you have other health problems, you have a much higher, you know, chance of a, you know, a casualty, you know, if you're, you know, if you're younger and you're healthy, I don't know, don't quote me on this. I don't know if there's been any reported cases of, of, uh, children under nine years old. I don't know that for sure. Cause we don't have all the information. Uh,
3: we but, don't have a lot of information. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the, that's the worst problem. thing. That's the biggest problem with everything. We just don't know. I mean, anybody who, it's all speculation, even the doctors, and I'm going to take Scott Gottlieb's opinion. I'm going to take you know, uh, the, the, the doctor's opinions over anybody else on Twitter. Um, and for the most part, most of them are saying it's likely not going to be contained. I think there's starting to feel like a consensus of that. You start just doing the math. I mean, it's basic math. You start looking around, you see thousands of cases of Korea, Italy. You know, it's all over the world here now. And, you know, we can brag that there's only 20 cases or 30 cases in the U.S., but we know that's just a testing issue and that's not the truth. So you go through and you start thinking about all that and you just put the math together and you're like, you're probably not containing it. So now it's a matter of how bad is it going to be how critical is, this? you know, Spinner has bring up a good point. It seems to only be killing most of the elderly. It does have an effect over people over 40. I was looking at that range and out of China. But again, you know, most of that data was coming from China. And We don't really, you know, know how much we can believe, how much is accurate. So, you know, until we start really getting, you know, into little, the later innings in some of these other countries. I mean, you think about Italy really just started taking off in the last week, week and a half. Well, this thing's taken three or four weeks to kill you, you don't really know what that real fatality rate's coming in at. So there's just a pile of unknowns. The market is going to be volatile here for a while until we start to get a better feel for it. But if it comes in at a less than 1% fatality rate, and it's this main, mainly killing people with health conditions and pre-existing health conditions, I think the market will, it will eventually rally back.
2: If it comes in higher than that, it starts killing younger people, then all bets are off. So yeah. that's the unknown the one thing I'll add, and, and we can get back to the stocks here yeah in in, in a second is is you, you know what little i know about about the flu and past flu pandemics is the flu the flu uh, virus eventually mutates it, it will eventually a good point too mut, it, it will it will mutate itself out of the pool it's why the 1918 uh, influenza epidemic that, which which was way worse than this by the way that was over in like 13 months right it, it was over because the yeah. eventually enough people uh, build build up immunity, and the, the the flu mutates itself out of the pool, and that's why the flu vaccine doesn't always work because there are different different strains out there. Now this is very yes. different. This is very different than like the seasonal flu. Obviously, uh, it's it's a different class of, of flu. Uh, but eventually, this will, you know, from what I've been reading, and again. it's all, all, that's all you can do really is just is read um, and we are in doctors obviously but it seems like that's the logical con- conclusion is either eventually though there will be a vaccine or eventually enough people will will develop immunity uh to this current strain to the point where it mutates and 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 stops stops being a pandemic so uh i think that's sort of where we're at right now um
3: and I think we're going to be there for a little while here. So this yeah. unknowns, we're not going to just have more information tomorrow. The one thing I will say is, you know, and this is why I'm still kind of concerned about just coming in here and buying the market. And I still have my hedge on full disclosure. So before I actually start buying stocks, I'm probably going to want to, you know, sell my puts before the, for the first thing. And I thought about covering some yesterday and I didn't. And the main reason is, is the news flow. You think there's a lot of people, that still think, oh, yeah, the U.S. is in good shape. We don't have any cases. Once they start testing towards the end of the week, I just wonder, you get like news flow Thursday, Friday, start seeing more cases pop up, like significantly more cases. Is that doesn't spook the market because you know, it's common sense that there's going to be a lot more cases coming, but I'm just wondering if the market has that priced in. You'd be surprised what the market doesn't have priced in. I mean, let's go to Costco yesterday. What a ridiculous move. Just an absolutely ridiculous move. The stock pops. And obviously we made that low, which was maybe a ridiculous move down to 271, you know, because people are still going to shop and there's probably Costco is still one of the best retailers out there. So maybe that was a little bit overdone. But to go up and obviously rally 30 points yesterday and a little bit to do with market effects. But again, it was way up, you know, it was up 10 percent. The market was up, you know, 2 percent. So or two and a half percent or whatever it ended up three percent, I guess. You know, we were talking three times as much the market because we saw a lot of people shopping at Costco in pictures. Um, I went to Costco and it wasn't that busy. I mean, me so these are selective.
4: Yeah, I went to Costco too, man. <laughs>
3: did did you? Was yeah. it busy? Like was it like shelves empty? Like what uh, we saw on the no, It wasn't, like, it wasn't like that. You know
4: what? Lisa went away and she left a Costco list for me. And she I said, Hey honey, can you, you know, see, can you go to Costco? And I'm like You know, how bad could it be? Right. So I went swimming and I went to Costco. Um, I did have the dolly and the cart. That was very hard to maneuver around turns. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, (laughs) it was busy. It was it was definitely busy, but what I mean? Did they take this thing? Did I see this thing up at like three thirty after hours, or am I imagining
3: that? I did not see it at three thirty. Okay, are no. was three oh nine. But three oh nine is still a yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was
4: up thirty at that point, right? It was or up thirty 30? points. Okay, that's right. I, I, I
3: mean, because we saw a lot of people, and let's just make let's do common sense here. So let's say, okay, it's gonna be a pandemic, everybody's gonna shop at Costco. Well, they're gonna shop like crazy right now. Let's just say <laughs> in the worst case scenario, they're shopping like crazy right now because they don't plan on shopping, in a, they're in a month. So those sales eventually level out or they significantly decline all this gain you see from this initial shopping boost, eventually gives it back if we do have you know, uh, people that are scared to leave the house. So people are just doing their shopping ahead of time. It's not like they're doing extra shopping they're doing extra shopping now so they don't have to shop later so <laughs> it's it's point. absolute ridiculousness that that rallied 30 points on this but it shows how irrational this market is and whoever believes the efficient market hypothesis i will tell you you are wrong i can tell you that with 100 uh, percent certainty because i have made my m- money my entire net worth trading inefficiencies at bright trading for 20 years i had my best trading day of the year yesterday and it wasn't obviously even because we're long, because I don't, you know, I, wasn't, you know I'm, I trade market neutral. So long, short, doesn't matter. All I care about is volatility. And um, this is just, you know, the, uh, an opportunity with are trading, like, you know, inefficiencies, like a lot of your hedge funds, a lot of your quants, a lot of your high frequency trading firms, a lot of your prop shops, you are going to be doing very well in these markets because there's just inefficiencies all over the place. Costco rally yesterday, just ridiculousness. I would expect it, you know, but you can't expect anything, you know, so who knows? It could make all time highs here again just because this market is full of nonsense. But wow, you know, what a gift. If you were buying this thing at 272.80 on Friday and it went up to 309, I would ring the register as quickly as possible.
4: Right. Uh, uh, trading down a little bit here in the pre market, so people are, you know, looking at that rally already over 50%. 309.51. That was your high from yesterday. Also, your close at 309.14. So, you know, I have to give like 309, 310. That whole area as potential resistance. Um, even 311.30. Uh, that was your four-day high. So, there's a sell zone. I, you know, I don't know if I'd be shorting it at that area. Uh, but certainly a nice target on the long side for Costco. We're turning green here on the session, up four and three quarters handles at 69.50. So getting a nice little rally this morning.
3: Uh, people are just asking, what do I mean by inefficiency trading? I talk about it all the time. I mean, I do a lot of index arbitrage too. So, but, you know, for instance, yesterday morning, E-Trade opens down, Morgan Stanley opens up. Well, it's a takeover. So there's an opportunity there. It's just a quick example of it. So E-Trade opens down at the lows, open down like 25 cents. Morgan Stanley opens up, I put the trade on and I work it back out. And you come in there for 20, 30 cents and you do different things like that all the time. Gilead has been moving opposite to the market. I sold that this morning up in the pre-market. Up a, it was up over a dollar. It was a silliness. I mean, at five o'clock in the morning this morning, there was so much inefficiency happening. People are just throwing orders out there and they don't know what they're doing. Um, oh, we got the market's up or market's up a little bit. I better go buy Gilead. Gilead's been moving opposite to the market here for a while now. I mean, now the market's giving it back. So, you know, and obviously, you know, Gilead had a huge run yesterday. So maybe I'm being proven wrong on that to a certain extent. I mean, relationships come and go, but there's pure relationships, like when you're doing risk arbitrage, like the E-Trade Morgan Stanley. And then there's little relationships, you know, that develop. I mean, for most part in an, in yesterday morning, like LAKE, with the market holding up and in, in fairly well, LAKE was trading at 23 and a half yesterday in the pre-market it opened at 20 and went down to 1810. I mean, now you start to think, in, in, uh, and I still have a little bit long there, but like I said, I was selling it, um, you know, at 23 and a half, way above where it probably should be. And you can look at that relative to like APT, and you know, there's relationships there too. I trade all based on relationships, and I do the index arb as well, like the banks against each other. Sometimes in the pre-market see Citigroup trading down 1%, while Wells Fargo's trading flat. I mean, Buy city and sell Wells Fargo, there's different opportunities that uh, exist that don't normally exist in non-volatile markets. But in this market, people just want out. Institution comes in, bang, 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 bang. If they sell something down too low, there might be an opportunity to hedge it with something else. But what I'm saying is, I trade market neutral. We're trying to eliminate market risk. I'm keeping. Most of the time, you know, I'm trading with beta hedging. And right now it's a little bit different. You can actually do almost dollar to dollar because the stock's a stock almost right now. Like we're seeing XLP in some instances move as much or even more than the SPY, which is not normal. XLP is usually stable, but because it's been this crazy markets, we've seen XLP, even XLU moving crazy too. So lots of different opportunities there. All I'm saying is with the volatility and people just getting in or out. If you don't respect the relationships, that's where I profit. I profit from people who don't respect relationships.
2: I, I think, Dennis, yesterday the markets were more efficient than they would have been had Robinhood been working. Well, and there you go, too. I mean,
3: I, I, don't, I don't know 100% yeah, I, I any don't efficiency or any efficiency that, with yeah. Robinhood, but
2: what happened to Robinhood yesterday? It, it's back up now. That's, that, that's, that's what we know. But it was down for uh, more than 24 hours so biggest day of the year uh biggest update in of the year and and not great um but they're unbelievable and so disappointing i mean for
3: those investors who were trading there and maybe they had some stuff lying they're like oh yeah i want to get out and book my profits and now you can't do that i mean i i i can't comment to why any of this happened i'm not i didn't follow the story closely enough i hope they get up and running here but they they are up and running but i would be you know very concerned obviously if i was long or you know short short. who who cares if you were long yeah and you can't cover i mean i don't know how for one thing and just consider there's obviously retail traders that go short but the majority of retail traders don't short stocks so you probably got like 90 percent of retail traders don't short stocks so
4: it probably helped them out Um, it might have uh,
3: helped them out a bit but there's going to be a few that do short stocks and those people are probably cussing the screens as they can't cover and you, know, you see, it's going up and up and up on you. So very, very scary when you get into a situation. Like I know from my perspective, my software goes down and I'm scrambling. That's why I have an IB account. I have an extra account, mainly just because if I have a software issue with Ready and software issues happen, I have a backup account. Something that's not related that, okay, I can all of a sudden go over to this second account and hedge myself. If you get serious enough and you get big enough at trading, it is very, very, very important to um, you know have some type of backup, even an in internet too, even internet backup. You get to a certain level, you know. I, I what I do is when I'm having problems, then I just use my um, my cell phone. I use that as a hotspot, and then uh-huh. I can go and trade, you know, and, and get my internet up and running too if my main internet goes down. So you always need to, as a trader, you always need to have a backup plan because software glitches do happen. Software does go down. Even the best of software will go down at time to time. That's why I always have a backup.
4: All right, Spencer's going to get us into more stocks here. Uh, totally what a rally
3: up. here right now. Yeah, yep.
4: Yeah, there's a major rally. Um, just, just want to give a you know um, a shout out to the people in Nashville. I don't know if anybody saw the news. The tornado is hitting Nashville. I've been in Stary. contact with Jeremy, and he texted me right back, and he's doing okay. So I just want – I don't know if he – When did that happen? Uh, over, uh,
2: overnight, I think.
4: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, our buddy buddy Jeremy's safe, and uh, just news. glad about that. And, um, you know, just other people in Nashville. I know it's got a lot of other things going on, you yeah. know, to talk about, but I don't know if he's listening, but –
3: it was Jeremy, a, yeah. glad you're
4: doing okay. Let us know what's going down. A nice pop here in the S&P future. up 17 handles now, uh, nearing the high for the session at 3,100.
2: Um, I want to go to uh, – there's a lot we can talk about from yesterday, but I do want sure. to get Beyond Meat here just because I know Dennis was watching this one. Uh, after Hours, the CEO was on uh, Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Yeah. I talked about their yeah. plans to expand internationally, and that's, I guess, all it took
3: just crazy the inefficiency so he's advertised to be on mad money first of all so everybody in the whole <laughs> world should know that he's going to be on mad money and then he's on mad money and they rally the hell out of it it's like this was not an unknown event so and they rallied up five bucks so um and and obviously i play these mad money plays sometimes i did not play that one there was a lot of other stuff going on so you can't play everything i guess as a human being but disappointed obviously that i didn't own some of that beyond me when i saw trading up three bucks i was like, and why didn't I buy that again? <laughs> Maybe because the market was just showing a little bit of weakness after hours and I wasn't doing it, uh, that much buying at all. But wow, beyond me, big pop because Mad Money interview. I mean, and, and we saw this also and you've got to watch. And here, here's one that I did make money on. Come on. Uh, Sanofi, CEO, goes on CNBC oh, at yeah. 4.30, yep. SNY. Yep. They popped this thing over 50 bucks. And I'm like, this is one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. And because he's talking about coronavirus and a possible vaccine, we already know Sanofi's working on that. It was nothing new. It was just interviewed. And people are buying this up to 50-50 last night. Look where it is now, $48.29. Don't chase. So if you, anything, don't chase what they're pitching on CNBC. And it's a good way to lose money. I mean, yes, they make some good calls and stuff, but because a CEO comes on and you're coming and buying Sanofi up 3% after hours because a CEO is on CNBC, it's one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. It's not going up 3%. It's an ADR too. They didn't even care. It's down 50 cents today. So everybody who's buying that last night just loses money. Full disclosure, I did short stock last night and make money on that too.
4: Uh, when did it originally come out that they had they were st- a, a, a vaccine? Because I thought I saw it on my tweet deck, and then I know it coincided with the market. I never put the timetables together, uh, but I think that that did have an impact, you know, on the rally. Uh, boom, boom, Let's see here. Uh, they've been talking
3: vaccine. There's so many people talking vaccine and so many companies working on it and they're going to get one. Like, don't kid yourself. There's going to be multiple vaccines eventually that do come here. And obviously, you know, there's going to be, I'm just trying to trade at the same time, but there's going to be a vaccine. You know, there is going to be a vaccine. Um, it's just going to take a lot longer than I think the market's going to like. I don't think this is going to be something that happens. You know, suddenly they've got to do testing. It's going to take some time. So it's not going to help us this flu season. It's going to help it with this going forward though, because like I said, me and Joel are both of the opinion and some other people are of the opinion as well that this thing is probably not just going away. So the vaccine eventually will help us with this. So it's important to get it ready for the next flu season. It's not going to be ready for this flu season. So it's not going to help anybody that gets this thing overnight. What's the only thing that's going to help you is hopefully the death rate is a lot lower than what we saw in China.
4: All right. We got Triple D. If you can make a five more minutes. We got Ryan Dietrich coming on of LPL Partners and uh, we'll get his historical perspective on the markets. Uh, Didn't we have some retail earnings today?
2: We did. We had a couple, yep. Let's go to Target here this morning. They reported at 6.30. This morning, their EPS beat the estimate by 3 cents. Their sales missed the estimate by a smidge, so mixed Q4 report for Target. Their Q1 EPS guidance was in line. Their comps are going to be in the low single-digit percent range, Um, and their guidance for the year was high six dollar range for their earnings per share um, a, an okay cost. report it had a the big pop cost.
3: yesterday yeah so you're looking at stocks is kind of hanging out I mean this is this is a tough it's all the, the the major you know obviously there's the macro effects on any single stock at this given time is going to be probably more than even an individual earnings report so the earnings report was okay stock popped up big into it it's just hanging out people don't know what to do with it so maybe they're going to figure it out once the market opens um, at 9:30. But as of right now, it's just kind of hanging out doing nothing.
4: Yeah, exactly. But there's a couple different ways to look at this. Uh, they did they did whack it pretty good. Uh, they did both. They took it down. They took it up. So we'll use the the pre markets as parameters. One five and a half to one ten. I know that's a wide range, and you're kind of hanging out almost in the middle there. Uh, I mean, I think a lot is market dependent, uh, 295. So I'd say if you, if you take out that pre-market low, see what happens at 102.95. And then I don't think we're going to see Friday's low of 100.74. Um, on the upside, I bet you people are still kind of scratching their head on this one. The close from yesterday and the high, like a lot of stocks, you get getting two numbers right next to each other. One oh nine oh eight, and then one oh nine forty four. Probably some people saying, "Hey, when this gets back to one ten, I'm out." So there could be some paper there uh, if it really gets going to the upside. Four day high twelve seventy one.
3: Until they show some videos with a lot of people shopping at Target.
4: Exactly. If they do that, man, <laughs> boom. boom.
3: Well, it'll be moving Walmart yesterday too. I mean, five, one fifteen. It's an insane. Those are insane moves. Walmart moved like ten bucks yesterday. This is an insane move. If you were long, you got a gift in a lot of stocks yesterday. If you were long and caught, you have a, a gift in a lot of stocks. So maybe we just go up to the all-time highs. Maybe everybody just wins. And yeah, a dip wins again. Hope but so. I hope so too. But at the same time, if you're like on margin and you're long and you're like worth, you know, throwing up at two o'clock or three o'clock on Friday. The last two days have given you such a gift. I mean, let's talk about the 50% retracement of the move. We're almost there in two I days. Know, I know. So go back from a 339 down to 285. So quick math, what's that, 60 bucks? Mm.
4: Um,
3: 38. You were good. You, were, you, you won the math competition. I, I, only, I do the
4: spooze. The spooze is 31 and a quarter. 63. I know what the spooze
3: is. It's 31 Believe and a quarter? Me, I know what the spooze is. So, you got, yeah, so you're what, 312 on the SPY?
4: Yeah. Roughly. Yep.
3: You're yep. right there. You're right near the 50% retracement of the of the whole move. Yep. In, in in basically a day and an hour. An hour on Friday and another trading day. Impressive, impressive, impressive. So if yep. you're long, this is a good opportunity to get the hell out if you don't want to be long. If you, you know, like me, I was comfortable with where I was at. I actually analyzed my portfolio. I have a little bit more cash than I'm actually comfortable with. So, which is why I considered, you know, selling or, or, or at least bringing back those puts. But at the same time, I think i'm gonna get another chance i don't think this is like something that's just all of a sudden going to go away i think people are going to get spooked um especially if we start to get more cases so i'm you know the rally could continue here for a day or two i hope it does if it gets too silly i will actually initiate shorts so i'm not at that point here yet i think you're kind of in the middle of nowhere but at the same thing the 50 percent retracement is just a little bit higher we've come this far why not test it today
4: yeah and you know i you know don't swear by it, cause when we had those V bottoms, it really didn't give two licks about the fifty percent retracement. I can remember a couple of yeah. those days. Oh yeah, put that's some a- trades on and like rot row. They didn't care about the fifty percent uh, retracement on that one. But hey, you know that that's what uh, that's what makes market. All
2: right, I want to bring on our first guest now, Ryan Dietrich. He's a senior market strategist at Helpio Financial. Ryan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Uh, we all- we got a bad connection here with you, Ryan. Uh, bad connection. Not sure what's going on there. Why don't you here, You know what? I think we're all good now. Um, Ryan, uh, yeah. g- give, us, give us your thoughts on uh, this market here. And we were just talking uh, about yesterday being a gift if you don't want to be long. Uh, but b- give us your overall thoughts here
0: on the past. Right. Well, I mean, let's be honest. We had the largest Dow gain ever, as the media told us. But if you go back in history since 1896, it's the 67th largest gain ever. So we're not minimizing wow. that on a percentage basis is what I mean. So, you know, it's kind of unique the way that it gets exciting and everyone talks about these big gains and big losses. But our take of Oakville research is this. From the peak to trough, we've pulled back on the S&P 12.8%. The average year pulls back about 14%. Now, here's the kicker that's interesting about that. You go back to 1980, there have been 20 years, guys, that pulled back at least 10% one time or another during the year. Out of those 20 years, 13 of them came back to finish in the green. And the fact that it's happening so early, our opinion is we're really using this as an opportunity. Yes, now, we're not short-term traders. We're looking at this, you know, for really the rest of the year. But we just don't see a recession. We think this is kind of an overblown panic, right, rightfully so. Sellers ask questions later. But when the dust settles, we really think we're going to be back at the thought before this year is over. And in the models that we run for our advisors and our clients, we are actively um, adding some risk here. I could so, see some both scenarios
3: materializing. So I think it's a matter of, is this just a bad flu? Or is this fatality rate a little bit higher and people are going to be scared of it? I mean, that's really the big question here because if you think this thing's getting contained, it from all evidence, it doesn't look like it's going to be contained. So if it turns out to just be a little bit of a bad flu bug where the death rate's well, you know, maybe three or four times the normal flu at 0.5% or you, know, or you know even up to 1%, I think the markets could be at all-time highs eventually again this year as well. If that fatality rate works out to be higher where it's three or 4%, I think it would be a big different animal. So I think a lot of it just depends on where that fatality rate ends up being. And if it's only, you know, killing those who have health conditions and older people, or if it starts to kill younger people as well, that's where the fear will start to come in. If you do see younger people start to die from this.
0: Yeah. You know, adding to that, you know, look at swine flu back in 2009. I mean, the reason that was considered a pandemic was because it, did unfortunately it was fatal for younger people you know the people under 10 years old 20 years old are not being affected by this in fact if you're in the sweet spot of under you know 50 years old in all likelihood you're going to be just fine if, if you contract this i know there are some examples that weren't the case but still that's kind of you know it's so early it's so fluid but hey look what's happening this morning what's the g7 saying hey we're here for you what's the fed likely going to do in two months as i'm sorry two weeks is crazy That it sounded we might get a 50 basis point cut. I mean, we're getting some liquidity put into the system and let's not blindly ignore that. And hey, look at seasonality. You know, I bring these stats up and people like them. March and April, the last 20 years are the best two months a year on average for stocks. I get it. We have a pandemic. You could throw that out the window. But with the big drop we had, seasonality is something that I wouldn't ignore either right here in the near term.
2: Yeah, and actually that, uh, I'm glad you brought up swine flu. I haven't brought that up, but I, I, I had swine flu in 2009. And, and you lived. Wow! And I lived. Look, I'm still here. There so, you go. So yeah, uh, it, it what was a, the death rate on the
3: uh, like the fatality rate on the swine flu. Do you guys yeah, know? It, it was not high. Um, like but less it, than one percent. Uh,
2: I, I don't have the number, but uh, it spread like wildfire through college campuses, and I was on a college campus. Uh, but I, I don't know what the death rate was. It, I, I don't believe it was high.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was high, but I know the total deaths, I saw some numbers, and we started talking about this over a month ago, that swine flu killed almost 200,000 people. Now, most of those were third-world countries and and underdeveloped countries. Like you said, here in the U.S., it wasn't that big of an issue, and and thankfully, you you survived, and and we really think that the current strain is going to be quite similar, is still our base case as of today.
4: We're on the line with Ryan Dietrich. He's a senior market strategist at LPL Financial, joining us here this morning on Benzinga's pre-market prep show. Ryan, throw another uh, monkey wrench into the whole thing here. We got an election year, Super Tuesday. I mean, there's other, you know, uh, things going on besides the coronavirus. Uh, There are historical patterns to the markets in election years. Do we discount those now with the, I mean, what do you do? I mean, election year rallies, coronavirus, Fed, where, where do you put the election when you're, when you're, you know, ranking the things right now that are affecting the market, you know, does the election become more important, less important? What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I think right now, clearly it's a little less important, right? We're so focused, hyper-focused on the coronavirus, but here's what I'll point out about election years. We went back to World War Two. Um, when you have a president up for re like we clearly do, the S&P 500 has not been lower during a, a president's up for re-election for that whole year since World War II, okay? I think it was FDR in 1940. So that's not about Republican. That's not about Democrat. It's about getting reelected, and it's about getting the economy going. So that's just something to be, be very, very aware of. Also, what do we have? We have a divided Washington, a divided country. We know that. But we have a divided Congress. You look at history, the best scenario, guys, is a divided Congress for GDP and for the stock market. Under a Republican president, I've got it here, 17.9% average S&P 500 gain when you have a Republican president with a split Congress. To be honest, you know, we're... We're not sure it's going to win the presidency, but it's looking more and more like we're still going to have a split Congress after November of uh, this year. And even for the Democratic side, the returns in the GDP can be better. So it's kind of unique how a gridlocked Washington, when it can't get anything done, because Congress is split, is that best scenario. So whoever wins, you know, Republican or Democrat, wins the election for presidents matters. What might matter more for our investments and the economy could be what happens with Congress. You don't want too much power one way or the other.
2: Uh, Ryan, I do want to bring up another uh, chart you sent over to us, uh, which is uh, this table of, of the, the largest uh, Dow point gains uh, going back what 100 and some odd 20 years. Uh, and, and what is your takeaway from this table? Because mine is that two of the biggest uh, Dow uh, up days in history in terms of points were during the financial crisis. And it sort of puts that into perspective here of that, how there can be great volatility, both upward and downward uh, in times of uh, financial uh, instability. Uh, what is your takeaway from this table?
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. And another way to look at it, and I know the table didn't quite have it, but, but most of those days were beneath their 200-day moving average. I took a look you know, yesterday, at least on the S&P 500, Obviously, it started off the day 200-day. We had you know, nearly 5% bounce, one of the best days ever. And I look back, guys, if you look at the last 27 times okay, that the S&P was up approximately what it was as much as we were yesterday with just a hair under 5%, 25 of those times started the day under the 200-day moving average. This isn't rocket science, but under, oh, super oversold markets tend to have the most volatility, whether it be to the upside or the downside, it wasn't that long ago I was come on you guys saying it's been three months since we've had a one percent move, okay, up or down, and the market kept going up. We know that we were really, really spoiled by lack of volatility, except like late last year, early this year, and we, we're not shocked that we had volatility. Are we shocked that you know we had the quickest ten percent correction off all time high ever? Yeah, that us a little bit, but we were so spoiled. Some volatility makes sense, and under the two hundred day is where it historically seems to take place. And also, don't forget, you go back a year. The most we've ever been on the S&P beneath the 200A was two days, okay, happened twice. Just this recent time, we were underneath the 200 day for two days and popped back above. Is it the algorithms, is it the robots? I don't know, but it is something to point out, that the 200 day once again, we didn't stay beneath it very long, did we?
2: No, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, Ryan, you, you said you're you you know you're looking longer term here and, and, and overall, you know, you, you see this as uh, as a as a, a place to buy, essentially. But like looking specifically at within, like like in in what way are you going about that? In, in what like we saw a tech rally huge yesterday, energy uh, not so much, right? As has been the case for the past couple of years. So like drilling down a little bit, how, how are you approaching things like the different sectors here?
0: Absolutely, sure. I manage the technical equity model that our advisors can invest in. We just did some trades yesterday. We added some biotech. We added, actually, Chinese internet. And you say that to somebody, look at you, I crazy. I mean, look at last week. China and Hong Kong were the top two performing global stock markets. I mean, things are positive under the surface there. And some of our bigger models were adding back to technology we're talking about. And I'll tell you what, we haven't dipped our toe in emerging markets yet. But that's one also, I'm aware of all the negative headlines <laughs> that are out there. But we're thinking emerging markets have this beatdown down that you had. Look at the dollar last week or so. The dollar's starting to weaken here. We, our base case, the dollar starts to go lower. That's usually a tailwind for emerging markets. So we're sticking with the cyclical theme that is not a recession, those industrials, technology, our financials, and like I just mentioned specifically, in a, more of an active, uh, active investment fund, or the model around We're doing the you know, Chinese internet and biotech, which is really starting to of take the baton, it looks like here.
4: Uh, Ryan, um, I I know you're making the predictions, you know, uh, you know, of the, you know, things resuming back to normal, um, and whatnot. Um, Just from what has happened so far to the economy Mm -hmm. and to business and everything, isn't there some sort of a lag effect? You know, I mean, yeah, you're throwing, you know, like Q2. At this point, how's Q2? How, I mean, no matter how much people lower expectations, you know, how great's Q2 going to be, right? And it's just a question yeah. of like Q3 and Q4. And we want to be longer term investors and look at the time horizon. But can you, like at this point, can you, can you fairly assess the damage that it's going to have on, you know, not only Q2, Q3 and Q4?
0: Yeah, well, let's be honest. In the near term, we probably can. And I saw a note this morning, Goldman said that US GDP could be negative in the first quarter. I mean, people are ratcheting things down. You know, uh, uh, one of the portfolio strategists on our team got in Jeff Bookbinder. He and I do a podcast. And yesterday, he pointed out something I thought was unique. He said, you know, we just had a you know, 13% correction. Your average recession has about a 30% correction. Could could the market be saying we had we're pricing in about half a recession, not all the way there, but there's a lot of bad things that have been priced in, in our opinion, on this recent pullback. And yes, the news can come out and be bad, but as we've all seen if it's less bad, that's kind of where that beach falls under the water, you let it go, it can kind of continue to go higher. But, you know, we wouldn't be shocked at all if we went back down and tested those recent lows, this little low rally goes higher. But in the contrarian mind, we all said that in December of 18, also, wait for the retest, wait for the retest. And it didn't happen. So, you know, again, the way we're managing the money we run, we're just dipping our toe in a little bit here. If there's retest, that'd be great. But we wouldn't be shocked at all if potentially the lows of the year were just made with so many extreme. you know, with the put to call ratios, we go through the list. I got buddies texting me that don't even know about the stock market, right? We all know that's usually an indicator of extreme selling if everyone sold who's left. Hey, we could be wrong. It could roll back over and go down, but I'm just thinking last week's sure felt like a crescendo and that's hopefully looking like it could be a pretty significant low for the year, in our opinion. All
2: right. Ryan Dietrich is a senior market strategist at LPL Financial. Ryan, thanks for the time. Have a good one.
0: Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Bye bye.
2: All right. 847 here. I do want to get, uh, we talked about target. Let's just do calls quickly here. Sure. Also had earnings this morning. And, and again, same story. Uh, Earnings, not necessarily the, the, the uh, highest priority when you've got a market uh, that is as volatile as this one. But the calls earnings were good. They beat on their EPS and they beat on their sales. They did say that comps from last uh, their comps are the same from last year, so their comps did not grow year over year. Uh, and their guidance they gave some EPS guidance for the year that was a little bit light.
4: Well, well, I, I don't, don't know, know what to say, Coles. I
2: had it in my
3: portfolio. I sold it at 46 or something before this whole thing started back in early February, and mainly just because I didn't want to hold a retail stock, figuring that people might eventually should be scared to go outside. So that's proving to be the good call. Gets a little pop. They raise the dividend. I mean, I, I've said this before. I've liked the, the Nordstrom, the Coles, and the Macy's. It seems like Macy's the dog. Coles has been doggish, too. Nordstrom has been kind of the best one. Of those three, if you kind of group them all together, but none of them have been good. I, I like the Kohl's dividend. I mean, they raised it here again. So very, very, what yep. did they raise it? Because it's already high, and now they're raising it again. They're, they're trying to give their stock a vote of confidence by raising the dividend. W- what was the dividend raise? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't
2: have it in front of me, but I did. I, I I'm saw, pretty sure I saw, saw, it saw it go
3: by in the headlines, too. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me, either. So if somebody's got that, and can let us know. But, I mean, they're trying to give a vote of confidence to the to their to their shareholders and saying, look, our dividend's good. We're even going to raise it.
4: Uh, More inclined to give you support in this stock. Three lows in the 37 handle between 37.11 and 37.51. Three bucks or what, two and a half bucks away from there. So that's where I would look to see support. Uh, Maybe a little bit, uh, you know, if you're just dying to get long and you want to buy the close, you get a chance at 38.44. You know where your risk area is on the downside, on the upside, you got a nice pop up to forty two, forty three. Don't really have that in my crystal ball, but you know who knows? It, anything can happen in this market. Instead, I would focus on yesterday's high. Let's do something with yesterday's high at uh, or no three day high at forty eighty five, and then it opens up to forty one seventy eight. So, be impressive here to get in the forty one handle uh, test forty one seventy eight. Just once again, I mean. This was not a good stock to own before the coronavirus. So I don't know if this report is something that's going to change this trend uh, in the issue.
3: I just want to say, if you were trading here this morning and just looking at this market here, uh, I bought a few more SPY here when we dipped there because I'm just seeing, I don't know, the imbalances can change obviously, but right now they're skewed significantly to the buy side. So I would not be surprised. If by the end of this pre-market, these imbalances hold, that this SPY goes positive. So, And you still have people buy the dip mentality here. So that would make sense too, just from intuitive. So you yeah, a pretty good sell-off there when Ryan was on for a little while, for 10, 15 minutes. It's starting to come back up. The reason we're coming back up is there was a lot of buy imbalances. I'll give you a few highlights. Pfizer, 270000 to buy. Bank of America, 234000 to buy. Disney, 256000 to buy. AT&T, 160000 to buy. It's just across the board. Berkshire Hathaway, forty six thousand to buy, um, and 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 some of them are bigger, some of them aren't that big. But there's just buys across the board here. And if they're real, and if they hold, and don't get offset or paired off, I think this. I think this market could actually be positive by the time we open.
4: Is, is that is that one away. New York City high school, or is that all New York City high schools? I see New York City High School to close today after suspected it, case.
2: It, it's it's a precautionary. one
4: one school though right
2: Uh, sounds like it yeah it's a a precautionary measure they you're
3: going to see this there's going to be a lot of things to be scared about here over the course of the next month it's going to get scarier the headlines and i'm very torn here because i don't know if that means that the market is going to be spooked by this or is it going to be the type of market that we just climbed the wall the coronavirus wall of worry that could happen too we've seen this market be so resilient for so long it's really a coin flip. So um, that's why I'm just kind of sticking with my long-term hedge in case it gets ugly. Although I'm on a pullback here, I might lift some of it just because I, 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 I'm definitely underweight and, you know, correctly. So, you know, obviously I I got underweight and didn't buy the low here. And now we're almost back up to 50% retracement. So maybe we just go back up. Maybe it's just a V bottom. I'm really torn. With that being said, there's a lot of things to be scared about though.
4: Yeah, I mean I, I'd still I'd still like to see us calm down, you know, um and have some, you know, less range days, a little bit of consolidation, but uh hey, you know, just going straight up, that's fine too. You know, getting the bad market back up to old time highs. I think important.
3: we're gonna end up I I'm just looking at these buy balances, unless something really crazy changes here. I think this market could actually end up green by the open. Spoos so, are green.
4: Your leading indicator, yeah,
3: SPY though. So because you had you obviously yeah you got to look at fair value. So we're down 16. So you can't just say what are you talking about, Dennis? We are green. We're not green. We are actually down 16 points worth. And you can just look at SPY and you can see that SPY. So that's why it's cleaner to look at SPY, SPY, because that's the clean. Because it closes the same times the stocks. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. So it's always cleaner. You don't have to do the adjustment. The reason the futures get out is because they have the 4:15 close. So that throws it out. So if you have a big move between 4 and 4.15, you have to do the adjustment, and that's what the fair value that they're t- showing on the CNBC screen does. So the implied open is actually correct, and it's right in line with SPY. SPY is cleaner to look at. The only time you get confused with SPY is when you're going ex-dividend. So you always have to consider that as well.
4: And also, I mean, and it doesn't affect the 4.15 close, uh, but, man, from 4.30 to 5, it's the wild, wild west, man. It is. what and it's
3: so weird, and then they close it at five and then yes. it opens at six, so nope. it's close open close i mean it's twenty four hour markets, but we have two closures in there, so it 's not really twenty four hour markets well
4: they <laughs> you're you're marked on the four fifteen yes and then and then I caught i think they caught like post clearing uh I don't know, they have some kind of name on it for it, but you are marked on your statements, your margin is to according at to four fifteen. And some houses will let you kind of trade like on intraday margin until four forty five and then others will let you go to five o'clock. So if you're trying to participate in um you know, the, the chaos between 435, just make sure when you know, when you're, you know, you're, you're ruled out on your margin.
2: All right. Uh, speak. Joel mentioned that, uh, Kohl's was not a great stock to own heading into this madness. Speaking of not a good stocks to own, uh, Tilray, I want to look at that one. Oy, oy, oy. They had earnings after the close yesterday and it was not a good report. Their EPS, they lost $0. $0.62 cents per share. They were supposed to, they were, they're estimated to lose $0. $0.35 cents a share. Sales or uh, revenue, $46.9 versus $55.9 million. So light on the revenue, light on the earnings per share last quarter, and you're seeing the stock fall this morning. Coronavirus,
3: no coronavirus. Whichever way you want to go with these marijuana stocks, it go down. Um, they were going down well before we had any coronavirus risks. They had a horrible year in 2019, horrible. They had a little pop, their relief pop at early 2020. Um, you know, maybe it's a buy the lag or seasonality effects there, but it's you know, now presumptive that they have continued the downtrend. Um, it's going to be an ugly day for all these stocks again. If you got to own one, maybe CGC, but again, I think they're all overvalued. They're all repricing and we're for valuation perspective. The growth story is over. When the story cools off, we've said this a hundred times in the last year on the postdocs. When the story cools off, fundamentals start to matter. Story is not cooled off but it's completely ice cold. Fundamentals matter. The valuations are all ridiculous. That's why you see these things continue to fall. I don't see any reason to get down and dirty on these valuations. Eventually, there will be a point where there might make some sense. Some of these companies are going to survive, but some of them are not. I'm not sure if Telray is a survivor or not. Impossible to call at this point in time, but $300, forget about it, $200, forget about it, $100, forget about it, $50, forget about it. I don't think it's ever seen $25 again. So it's 13 I never say never, but if you're coming here at buying a 13 and saying eventually it's going back to 300 it's not.
4: Uh this is just a new all-time low for it. So I, I you know, don't know what to say here. Valuations are, are all just ridiculous, dollars Thirteen oh one. It's two billion.
3: Know? What's the valuation on Telray? I mean, you get greenhouse full of pot plants. You want to pay two billion dollars for that? What What is the valuation on this thing? I'm going to look right now. Market cap. It's a little Market bit less. Cap. It's a
1: little bit
4: 1. less. One point five
3: of... billion. Go buy your one your greenhouse full of pot plants for one point five billion. Sounds nuts to me.
4: Okay, three minutes left in the broadcast, uh, Spencer. Do you, I mean, ratings.
2: Well, three minutes before <laughs> our next guest, but I want to – Oh, also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to look at Delta here. We talked about it oh, earlier. Oh, this is huge. Uh, news. Buffett injecting a void of confidence yes. in the market. He uh, filing disclosed that last week, I believe it was Thursday, he bought – a was it a million more shares of, of Delta Airlines? Well, it was last bought, night.
3: It came out in the SEC. Buy
2: low. If I if I remember the headline correctly. We knew about this before? No, no, I'm saying that the filing said that the the sale was last week, the transaction was last week. Oh
3: yeah, the the purchase. So he bought another nine hundred right. and some thousand shares. Let's right. put this in perspective here, though. Let's, you know, it's a vote right. of confidence right. that yes, oh, Warren Buffett's buying more Delta. But how many shares does Warren Buffett already own of Delta? So you've got to you know, put this in perspective. I'm going to go get Buffett positions. Do you have it in front of you? I will pull it up. It's a lot of shares. I think he owns like 70 million shares.
4: 70 million? Yes. Berkshire Hathaway is used...
3: huge. Let's look. Really? Let's look. Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. Do you have it in front of you, Spencer? I'm trying, I'm, to, I'm trying, here, I'm trying to race you. We're racing to get the Buffett holdings.
2: I had it last night. That's why I, I know because I looked it up. So he bought 900, was it 970,000 shares last yeah. week? Yeah. And he, You're going to beat me. He already had, in terms of number of shares, he already had 70, whoa, he already had 70.9 million. Okay. So let's, you know, here's the market. <laughs>
3: Buffett's buying Delta. Yeah, rah, rah, rah. We're up 5%. He owned 70 million shares. He bought another 1 million shares. Not even. He literally added, you're talking point, you know, you're, you're talking. Minimal. Minimal. 1.5%. He added more Delta. It's nothing. He added nothing. But it's the vote of confidence. The airline's been in the gutter. They weren't even hardly participating last day's rally. So all of a sudden, it'll get some media. Warren Buffett's buying Delta. Go, go, go. This isn't like he has a new position. This isn't like he added and doubled his holdings. He added 1% to his holdings. 1.4. Nothing. One point four, nothing. That's how irrational this market is. But with that being said, with that being said, it is a vote of confidence, and this is the way this market works. And it's a vote of confidence that the market wanted. So they you know. wanted an excuse to be able to buy airlines, and they got it because Buffett
4: came in. Craziness in my opinion. I could use my term now. Don't frown. Average down.
3: <laughs> well, you didn't average down by too much, Joel. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> Craziness, no. in my opinion, absolute craziness. That, the uh, mar- that they've got to buy it up that much, but it's a vote of confidence. It's not surprising to me, but don't you know believe the headline? Oh, Warren Buffett's
4: buying; you got to buy too. You already owned. Uh, fifty point one five represents your pre-market. And it's all optics, Tom- yeah. sorry, Tommy.
3: Like exactly, it's just a vote of confidence, and yep. that's what the why the market's rallying significantly.
4: Off. We got to fifty point one four. We're still hanging out here in the 49 handle, which is good. So let's let's take out that pre-market high of 5014, what we want. And then I would just go with daily highs here, folks. Uh, 5098, your three-day high, your four-day high is fifty-one seventy-seven. But I would say it is important for this to open up, get over 50, hold 50, print 50 and a half, fifth, print 51. Or, you know, if you open up 49 and a half, rally up to 50, fail, come back down to that open, you couldn't have me long with Triple D's money on that <laughs> I,
3: I do right. think their rally is going to be, they're in the gutter. This is yeah. going to give it a vote of confidence. We saw how ridiculous the Costco rally got yesterday because there's some pictures of people buying some stuff at a few Costco's online. So you can see how ridiculous this market can get. So I don't want to be short of
1: Correct. Even I'm though it's not, up two bucks, yeah.
3: and not come in here and shorten it because this market just gets silly. It'll get some media attention. They probably mentioned on CNBC that Warren Buffett brought more Delta, and that'll pop it even more because everybody also realize it too. So, right, triple
4: D. We we got a we got nine o'clock guest We gotta bring. Yep. I'm
3: gonna go. I know you're not.
4: Hey, I know you're in a fast market, but when you get out of your fast market after the open, could you give me a call, please?
2: I will. All right. Okay. Uh, go get I, him. I, I want to bring on our guest now, uh, Dave uh, Mazza. He is a uh, managing director and also head of product at Direction. Dave, good morning.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, I asked, uh, I reached out yesterday, Dave, because I wanted to get uh, your take on, or I guess your insight into what it was like for you guys last week. Direction has a lot of leveraged ETFs. I I have one up on the screen right now, the FLYT, the Flight to to Safety. It's a relatively new fund, but your uh, ETFs are are basically trading tools. And I'm imagining that volume was uh, extraordinarily high last week. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's more than fair today uh, to say, excuse me, Thursday and Friday were some of the highest volume days uh, in the firm's history, uh, especially, of course, you'd imagine on the bear side. So these are products that offer inverse exposure to things like the S&P 500 or Russell 2000. Uh, So really the traders were coming in and trying to take advantage of the market turmoil uh, that we saw. Uh, But to your point, uh, FLYT is a more recent addition to our lineup uh, and can actually be used as more of a buy and hold investment as well.
2: So, so explain, explain that because it uses leverage and you don't typically associate leverage with a buy and hold strategy. So, so explain how like,
1: like what is in this thing. Yeah, well, what's actually interesting about FLYT is we, we actually don't use leverage there. Okay. Um, so that, that, of course, helps make it more buy and hold. And it's, it simply combines three assets that historically have done well uh, in equity market corrections. So from the equity side, uh, that's large cap utility stocks. Uh, we know they have a low beta to the market, they attract dividend yield, uh, more stable cash flow generation. Then you get your long term treasuries, classic hedge. We have seen you know contrary to many people 's expectations, investors continue to buy treasuries uh, to help navigate the market. and the real kicker is we also have gold bullion in there. So these three assets are are going to be weighted by their trailing volatility and are really intended to be a diversifier uh, to uh, equity portfolios and as we saw last week, um, this trio, this kind of trinity of assets, um, can be really helpful in navigating times of uncertainty.
2: Uh, going to, back to what you just said before about uh, traders were active on the bear side, were they, uh, are, you, are you referring to bearish funds like the SPXS or were they going like sector specific or was it like inverse the S&P, like what, what inverse funds last week saw the highest volume?
1: Yeah, so of course, uh, XPXS, this is the inverse S&P 500 uh, three times bear fund. Uh, that's a, a fund that uh, always sees high, high volume in our lineup. Uh, but last week, especially, of course, we always see the gold, gold miners, really both the bull and the bear side uh, be active. But last week, we, we uh, have a fund, which gives uh, two funds that are relatively new on the bear side. One is HIBS. So this actually focuses on just the highest beta securities uh, in the S&P 500, but uh, on the bear side. Uh, So, of course, uh, in down markets, uh, high beta stocks tend to do worse. Uh, But if you're you're actually taking the inverse of that view, uh, you had some excellent uh, opportunities to make some gains last week. And then also WEBS, W-E-B-S. This is a fund that gives inverse exposure to the Dow Jones Internet Index, uh, which is a really interesting uh, group of securities uh, that kind of represent uh, internet at large. Uh, but last week, of course, they were uh, had some really terrible performance, but the inverse of that uh, again, allowed traders to take advantage of that uh, uh, negative sentiment.
2: So in what way are these really meant to be used? Cause they do, these funds do use leverage and that comes with its own unique set of risks. So like, if we could just go back to last week here, like how are you seeing these funds used or when you talk to clients, how are they, you know, talking about these funds to you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, something like SLYT, that's your, that's for long-term diversification, just kind of as an insurance policy in the portfolio, but when we're talking about our trading products. So anything three times uh, leveraged or inverse, we really, you know, those are intended to be held for uh, really short periods of time. So such as a day or two, uh, if they look at the ratio of our assets, uh, as one might expect, more money tends to be on the bull side. Uh, as obviously, markets tend to go up over the long run, and more people are looking to uh, make bets on, on the long side uh, to amplify that exposure. But really, we, we encourage people not to forget, forget about the bear funds, too, because during a down market, if you're a trader and want to hold on to um, a name for just a day or be in and out of it in a short period of time, the inverse product can be a great way of amplifying your viewpoint um, where uh, they're doing well uh, when markets are doing poorly.
2: I'm curious what the activity has been like in your China funds. You have a uh, bullish uh, China A-shares fund. You have a China Internet fund that's also uh, two times leveraged. Uh, and then you have a uh, leveraged and inverse uh FITSI. Or China Bull and Bear Fund. Uh, So I I guess if if I look at like Yin and Yang here, which are one three time leverage, one three time inverse. Like, what's the activity been in those in those funds?
1: Yeah. So what's interesting is when this um, when the coronavirus news first started emanating out of China, we actually started seeing it picked up uh, on our uh, China A funds more so. So that's uh, Chow and Chad. Uh, But more recently, uh, as it's really become a a global phenomenon and a global crisis. Uh, we've seen people move, look more at yin and yang and really uh, uh, begin to, to, to trade China alongside uh, the US and US small cap and gold miners, especially. But those two funds, in addition to the US suite and some of the sectors I mentioned, uh, continue to see a good volume uh, coming from the trading community last week.
2: And then uh, like talk about yesterday. You know, we get this whipsaw uh, rally what were you seeing yesterday in terms of uh, client communications and just volume in the funds?
1: Yeah. So uh, our traders tend to be pretty active and they tend to move in and out uh, as one would expect. So uh, money moved out of the the bear funds pretty quickly, moved back onto the bullish side. Uh, Yesterday though, we began to see some activity in financials Uh, as we know, financials were some of the worst hit last week alongside with the energy sector. Um, So some traders now taking advantage of some of that bounce back yesterday. Uh, on the financial side. Uh, But what's interesting, and I'm sure you guys uh, have touched on it, yesterday was led by utility stocks and the tech sector. Uh, So we tend not to see too many traders actually look at our 3X utility fund, but it's in the lineup. Uh, But we did see a lot of activity uh, in the tech and semiconductor space yesterday as well.
2: Interesting, interesting. Uh, Wow, and so when you say money is flowing in, that could mean on the long or the short side, correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So what what we tend to look at is the ratio between the bull and the bear. And so uh, I mentioned a few minutes ago, if I look at our whole uh, our whole lineup, so every uh, three x two or three x direction fund, uh, our lineup right now is about uh, 75 to 80 percent on the bull side, and you know about uh, 20 to 25 percent on the bear bear side. uh, As we've been in really a one way market up uh, for much of 2019, but that's begun to flip. Uh, in the last couple of weeks as money has actually moved out of the bull side and moved into the bear side. So what we're looking for uh, to kind of gauge sentiment is both trading volume. So what's actually happening on the exchange between buyers and sellers, and then what's actually happening with new money coming in or out of the fund uh, when there's so much activity. Uh, and so that's really interesting where we saw that flip uh, to the bear side across some of the major sectors uh, on Thursday, Friday, uh, uh, maybe as one would expect, uh, considering markets were down so much. And then that moved really off the table yesterday pretty rapidly.
2: Uh, we're getting a question from our chat here about H-I-B-L. Can you just like talk about that? Uh, what's in it?
1: Yeah, so H-I-B-L is the, lo- is the bull side of that high beta uh, short fund that I mentioned. So both of them use the S&P 500 high beta index uh, uh, as their base exposure. That, what that index does is it just concentrates on the 100 stocks in the S&P 500 with the highest beta. Uh, so meaning really what have the most sensitivity to market moves. Uh, so right now, the, you know, there's a lot of semiconductors names in there, there's a lot of names that were impacted by the trade war uh, that, that have uh, made its way into that basket. Uh, those are the same names that are being impacted really by con- the worst concerns about the coronavirus and some of the, the supply chain disruptions that could occur in worst case scenarios. Uh, So HIBL is gonna give you three times on the long side of that. And then uh, HIBS is gonna do the same on the inverse side. So really good tools for investors who want exposure uh, on a a trade to to stocks that actually um, have some of the riskiest profiles in the market. All right, Dave Mazza is the managing director
2: and head of product at Direction. Dave, thanks so much for the time, have a good one. Thanks for having me, hope to talk soon. All right. Uh, that'll be it. Nine eleven. 11 That's a wrap on the show today. I'll just pull up a chart. We can go out looking at the spy here. If you missed any part of our show, catch the podcast or rewatch the show on uh, youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. You can always give us a call 734 494 or email us premarket at Penzinga.com. Thanks to our guests today, Dave Mazza and Ryan Dietrich. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone, have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow.
5: Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot Me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.